Well, I couldn't find a better picture of a tongue that would express what I want to talk about today. Because I thought that if we had a tongue like that in our mouth, then uh, we would really appreciate our words that we say, and we would also be very careful on how we dealt with it. But basically, that's what James is telling us. We've been talking about some things that uh, over the last couple of lessons that I think that make us uncomfortable. And I thought that it would be good to talk about the tongue because I like to uh, talk about uh, that subject because from time to time we need to be reminded that we need to be on guard of what comes out of our mouths. And that's exactly what James is telling us because it tells us there that the tongue is a fire. It's a world of iniquity. And it also says it's set on fire of hell. And so we know that there are things that can come out of our mouth that are not good. And that statement about the tongue is set on fire by hell is something that we need to recognize that this tongue is something that we cannot control all by ourselves. It tells us there that it's uncontrollable. But God is there to help us and He gives us what we need so that we can be thoughtful and considerate of what we say. And so I want us to keep that in mind as we look at our lesson today. Hopefully you're turned over to James chapter 3. I'll have some of the verses or most of the verses on the screen, but it'd be good to mark it in your Bible and so that you can read it and look at it yourself when you get home. But listen to what James says, beginning in James chapter 3, verse 1. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that ye shall receive a greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in a horse's mouth, that they may obey us, and we turn about our whole body. Behold also the ships which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And a tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. Of every kind of beast and of a bird and a serpent and of things of the sea and is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. When you read something like that about the tongue and we realize that we're created in the image of God, we may ask ourselves, why would God give us something like that that is so unruly? Something that we allow words to come out we say things that should not be said and things that hurt people. We realize that the tongue has the ability to build people up. We have the, the ability to share the good news of the Gospel of Christ with other people. And that the tongue is there for a good reason. But we also realize the damage that can be done by the tongue. And the Bible here tells us that no man can, can tame it. That it, it cannot be controlled in, in the sense that we have to do things, and if we don't do those things, if we don't have Christ in us, which we'll see later on in this lesson, if we don't have Christ in our lives, then this tongue is going to be doing things that it should not do. And may I say this, that also sometimes as Christians, Christ isn't in us like we should be, like He should be, and we sometimes say things that we shouldn't say. And when we set ourselves up to conquer the tongue on our, or by ourselves, we will lose every time. 
And so I want to talk about, in particular, a couple of uh, topics which are gossip and slander. And we know what those are. We know what they mean. We'll get there in a second. But Proverbs chapter 11, and verse 13 tells us that a talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit uh, concealeth the matter. Many times when we start to talk, and we start to talk about someone, many times we may be, uh, someone may say, you shouldn't be saying those things. Will you? And we'll say, well, we're only saying the truth. We're only telling you the truth. Well, sometimes that truth doesn't need to be told. Sometimes you can keep that to yourself. And maybe that helps that individual to, to straighten the matter out if there's a problem that needs to be straightened out. But when you start to share that problem with others, that problem becomes a lot bigger. And it becomes harder to fix. Now sometimes the embarrassment grows and sometimes that truth just does not need to be told. It needs to be kept between you and the individual that you've told it to. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 28, it tells us a froward man soweth strife, and a whisper separated cheap friends. How many people have had friendships that have been destroyed because someone else in the group spoke up and said things that didn't need to be said and separated those friends because of the words that they used? In Romans chapter 1, Beginning in verse 28, we find there that it covers slander also. Beginning in verse 28, it says, And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over into a reprobate mind to do those things which were not convenient, being filled with all uncleanness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, deceit, deceit, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, Backbiters, that backbiter words in some translations is slanderers uh, because it means speaking evil against. Uh, haters of God, despiteful, uh, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Now, when you talk about slander and whisper, that's gossip and, 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 and talking about people, tearing them down. Now, you say, well, I wouldn't do that. I don't say that. Do you listen to it? I want you to notice that last phrase there that I read in that verse where it says, but have pleasure in them that do it. You know, do you take pleasure in listening? Do you take pleasure in hearing something bad about someone else? Do you take pleasure in listening to someone tear someone else down so that they can build themselves up or build someone else up? That's what it's talking about. It's not just those that say it. It's those that listen to it. And I sometimes wonder why we even go on the Internet and look at some of those things because we got to hear it. we got to see what they're saying. And then when we're done, we feel, oh, they shouldn't be doing that. So I wonder sometimes why we even go out there and look at what's been said. Second Timothy chapter three, beginning of verse two, it says, "For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affections, truth breakers, truth breakers, false accusers." Again, that's a slanderer. Incontinent, 
fierce, despisers of those who are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. In a previous passage, we see that some were worthy of death. That's not go out and kill them because they're gossiping or tearing somebody down. That means that they're going to be lost. And here we realize what it's telling us that they're denying the power and from such we should turn away. We shouldn't have anything to do with people that want to tear down other people or talk about other people. But sometimes we want to hear it. And sometimes we know that we shouldn't be listening. But instead of saying, no, I don't want to hear this, we'll listen. And we won't say a word. Why? Because we're afraid sometimes we'll be cut out of the grapevine. Nobody will want to talk to us anymore. Because when you rebuke somebody for saying something that they shouldn't, many times they don't want to talk to you anymore. Maybe it's because they don't have anything to talk about anymore. But I doubt that that's the reason. But quite often that's what happens. You get cut out of the grapevine. Well, I want to know. I want to be friends with these with this. Well, is it worth it? If it's going to cost you your soul? Because those that listen are just as guilty as those that are spreading it. We know what those passages teach. We have the knowledge of that Scripture. We understand what that passage is telling us. But it's something else to put it into practice in our lives. You see, some of those things on that list that we read there in Romans, those in Timothy, some of those things we'd say, oh, we would never do those things. And sometimes when we're guilty of some of what we would call the lesser ones, we don't recognize it in our own life. We don't recognize that what we're doing is wrong. Because, you know, everybody else is bad, but not me. You see, we have the knowledge that gossip and slander are wrong, but putting it into practice is something else. Going back to James, he tells us in James chapter 1, in verse 19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. And my mother used to tell me, yeah, that's why God gave you two ears so you could listen and talk less. And sometimes we forget that, that we need to be swift to hear. Why is it important that we hear? Because sometimes we start talking before we hear the whole story. We start making conclusions that we don't need to make. And so we need to be swift to hear, slow to speak. Not, that doesn't mean listen to gossip. There are things that people need help with in correcting in their lives. And when we're trying to straighten out their life and help them to straighten out their lives, when we're bearing someone else's burden or trying to get them out of that situation, we have to listen. You can't help if you don't understand what the situation is. But there's a difference in talking to help and here's where we sometimes want to blur the line. There's a difference in trying to help someone and then just trying to tear them down. And that's really where we have to be honest with ourselves. Because sometimes we're not. We're not trying to help them. We just want to say it. We just want to tell somebody else. If something is eating at us, and we've got to share it. And James tells us, be swift to hear and slow to speak. 
And despite that admonition to let hearing be far greater than speaking, look at all the inventions that are out there that help us to get our voice to be heard. We've got microphones. We've got speakers. We've got amplifiers. We've got megaphones. We've got the radio. We've got the internet. We've got television. We've got all kinds of things that are out there. Buildings are designed so that a person can be heard very easily. My neighbors don't know it, but up the road there's a house, and if they're out in their driveway talking, the way it reflects down from my house in between the barn, I can hear exactly what they're saying. So far they haven't been talking about me. But that just shows us that there are things that are out there that amplify the voice. And how many things are out there to amplify the hearing? Hearing aids? I guess you could argue that some of those things are that I just mentioned are there so that you can hear, but in the mo- for the most part, those are so you can be your voice is, is is projected. There may be other things that help us to hear, but I think that we get the picture. You see, thousands have fought and died for the freedom of speech, but no one's clamoring for laws protect our freedom to listen. When we talk about social media, we come to the pinnacle of having our voices heard. You say, well, that's not speech. That's thumb typing. That's finger typing. It makes a difference. And I think an argument like that really just shows the ignorance of the individual who's making that argument. Because it's really our voice. It's what's coming out of our heart. And just what comes out of our mouth is coming from our heart. So are the words that we type. They're coming from our heart too. And it's amazing to me how many people think that they can post something on social media without it having any reflection upon themselves. I really believe that sometimes people get behind that screen and they start to type and they think that they are only talking to that one person and that one person, the only one that's going to see what they're saying when many times the whole world sees what they're saying. There's nasty jokes, suggestive pictures, filthy language. And when you do that, you're announcing to everyone the type of morals that guide your life. When someone sees you who knows that you're supposed to be a Christian, post those kind of things, you become a stumbling block. And I think that that's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 18 when He says that you know, at some point maybe it's better for you to have a big stone tied around your neck and drowned in the sea. You know, you think about Post something filthy, and then right after that, post Isaiah chapter 53. Post a nasty joke. And then right after that, immediately after that, post something from the Sermon on the Mount. Post a suggestive picture of yourself or someone else. And then right after that, post a picture of Jesus hanging on the cross. 
You say, well, I, I couldn't do that. That'd be that that look hypocritical. I shouldn't. You know, I wouldn't do that. Well, can you tell me the difference in when you post that filthy joke or that suggestive picture or that nasty comment? What's the difference in waiting a day, waiting a week, and then posting something about Christian values? Tell me the difference. When you've made no effort to repent, you've shown no works of uh, repentance. You're not. You haven't tried to straighten it out. You're just. It's just a. Tell me the difference. Why does it matter that I wouldn't do it that day, but I would do it a week later? Isn't it the same thing? You see. We can't post disgusting things and wait any amount of time and then post something that's from the Scripture or something that shows that we're a Christian because that would be a hip being hypocritical. And James addresses that very thing in James chapter 3, verse 9-12. through 12. He says, Therewith we bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a fig or vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. You see, when James says these things ought not so to be, he's not saying it shouldn't be this way, but that's just the way it is. He's telling us that we shouldn't be like that. That if we're going to be a Christian on Sunday morning, we need to be a Christian all the rest of the week. And we need to have that standard not only on Sunday morning, but all the rest of the week. And if we wouldn't say something in the service in our worship service, then why would we go out and say it on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or some other day? Well, I'm only telling the truth. Well, sometimes that truth that you're telling doesn't need to be shared. Sometimes what you know isn't going to help that individual for you to tell it to other people. And to tear someone down isn't going to help you look any bigger. And that's what James is saying. Listen, you don't get sweet water and bitter water out of the same fountain. He's saying don't do that. And some of us ought to be ashamed what spews out of our mouths. You say, well, that's my right. I have the right for freedom of speech. When I wrote that there, I thought, I also have the right to remain silent, don't I? We don't talk about that right unless you get arrested. Then all of a sudden, that's an important right. But sometimes we need to just be silent. If you're a Christian, then you know that God's law always takes precedent over any man-made law, any law of the government. As Peter said, you ought to obey God rather than man. And listen to what God says in Colossians chapter 4, verse 6. 
Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Is that just some of the time that we need to do that? Or is that all the time? Listen to what he says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. What's he telling us? That our words should be to build up. That's what edify means, to build up. We're supposed to be building each other up. Not tearing each other down. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 4. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. You know, next time you want to talk about somebody or tear them down, start talking about what you're thankful for. Don't say, oh, I'm thankful that I have this opportunity to tear this individual down. Or I'm thankful that I have the opportunity to, to gossip. Be thankful for the blessings that God has given you. And then we see in Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 4, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Think about that. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. Doesn't that just sound refreshing? That sounds like something good. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 24. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. You know, there's so many other passages that we could look at that talk about the words that we use, the things that we say, and how careful we should be with the words that we use. The problem is not so much the words, it's the heart. Because the Bible teaches us that our heart is where all these things come from. You see, we quickly turn away from God's law to our own desires. And when we go back to James, we can see in James chapter 3, verses 13 through 16, what he says Who is a wise man and endowed with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom. But if ye have bitter envies and strife in your heart, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. And where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. You know, some of the things that motivate us to talk about others, to tear others down, and to listen to others talk about others and tear people down is brought on because of envy and strife. I don't know if you've noticed it, but to me, it looks like our society is becoming angrier and angrier. And I think that's even creeping into the church where we become angrier and angrier and we let even little things just cause us to get really irritated. What's that caused by? Strife and envy? We listen to the world and the world is at strife. There's strife all over the world. There's division, trouble, all kinds of things. And when we listen to that, it plays on our hearts. And it affects us. And we allow it to affect our relationship with each other. We tear others down sometimes to build ourselves up. 
We may be jealous of that individual. Yeah, but I know something about that person that you don't know. Yeah, what? And then you start talking. But even even deeper than all of this, James is pointing to things of this world, things that say that he says are earthly, sensual, and devilish. You know, sometimes we don't have the heart that we're supposed to have. And that's why we do the things that we do. Jesus put it this way. In Matthew chapter 15 and verse 11, "...not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which goeth that cometh out of the mouth which defileth a man." You know, how many of us are always trying to watch what we eat? You know, we don't want to get too much sugar. We don't want too many sweets. We don't want you know things too much fat. We don't want a lot of things that are bad for our health, and we know that. And so we try to avoid those things. So we're very careful about what goes in our mouth. You know, if you walked out the door this morning, you saw a sandwich laying out there in a the parking lot. You're not going to pick it up. I don't care how hungry you are. Now you might be a child, and 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 you, you haven't been taught better. But most of us as adults, we're not going to go out there and grab that sandwich and pick it up and start eating it. Why? Because we don't know where it's been. We don't know where it came from. We don't know what's in it. So we're not going to allow it to go into our body. But what do we allow it to go into our heart? Jesus goes on to say in Matthew chapter 15, verses 18 and 19, "...but those things which proceed out of the mouth which come from, come forth from the heart..." They defile the man, for out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, theft, false witness, blasphemy. All of those things come from the heart. You think about our heart's not in the right place if we're allowing these things to creep into our heart. And so what comes out of our mouth reveals what's in our heart. And the world has direct access to our hearts. In our homes, through the television, through the internet, through other means of communication, the world gets into our heart. And it affects us. And none of those things, you know, television or the internet, none of them in, uh, alone or in in, a, in and of themselves are evil. There's good things that can be on television. There's good things that can be on the internet. You say, well, I haven't ever found any. Well, keep looking. There are some good things on both. But they can also quickly change us and draw us away from God. We talked this morning in our Bible class about that lost sheep that Jesus tells us about in Luke the 15th chapter and Matthew the 18th chapter. And how that sheep got lost, we don't know, but we do know that sheep sometimes they get separated from the flock because they just kind of start nibbling. And as they nibble, the flock goes this way and they just keep doing what they're doing. And sometimes that's what happens to us. That those little things that we think don't affect us end up affecting us. Having an impact on our lives. And we need to be careful of that. And so don't think that when we allow those things into our home that it doesn't have an effect on us. 
Because sometimes when we let that garbage in, and we think that it has no effect, it has a great effect. You can look at some of the situations in our society, how they've changed over the years. And that sometimes even we look at some of those things and we say, oh, that's not so bad anymore. Well, what, how, why did it change? Many times it's changed because we've seen it. And it's become more acceptable. We see it on the television. We see it on the Internet. We see it in all different ways. You see, God knows all and sees all. And when we watch those things and listen to those things, we think, well, it's only, I'm the only one listening. Well, no, God's listening too. Because He knows what we're doing. And plus, what you fill your heart with always finds a way to come out in the things that you talk about. The things that you say. And if you fill yourself with filth in private, then you'll spew filth in public. You can't say, oh, it just slipped out. Well, no, that's what's in your heart. I didn't mean it when I said it. Yeah, you meant it when you said it because that's what was in your heart. Oh, I wish I could take those words back. Yeah, well, you said it what was in your heart. You just revealed it. And so, yeah, we regret it sometimes, but we could prevent it many times by not allowing those kind of things to get into our heart. So we need to be filled with Christ in our lives. James tells us in James chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, "...but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace." James tells us that wisdom comes from above. And if you back up in James to James chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. We can't have wisdom for one without God's Word. God's Word is what helps us to know what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to live, and what God expects out of our lives. And we need the wisdom to apply that in our lives and to others as we help them live the Christian life. And that wisdom must come from God, and we expect it to come from God, but it also deals with His Word. Because that Word is something that we need to have in our hearts. And Paul tells us in Colossians... Or I guess that's not Colossians. I thought I had Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on the things of this earth. Well, how many of us have our affections set on this earth? How many of us have the, the, the possessions and the stuff that we accumulate? How many of us allow those things to accumulate our lives? Or to control our lives? How many of us allow what we hear to affect what we say? We need to think of all of those things. And we need to put Christ in our hearts. Jesus said in Luke chapter. 6 and verse 45, "...a good man out of the good treasures of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasures of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil, for of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh." What's your heart overflowing with? What's your heart filled with? Is it the good treasures of God's Word? Is it the good things that God wants you to do? Or are we allowing some of the evil in the world to affect our lives. 
You see, sometimes we look at the evil out there and we don't really see it as evil. We just look at it, well, it's not that bad. What would Jesus call it? What would God call it? Maybe that's the standard that we should look for. Compare what we're seeing and what we're hearing to. You see, James says that the tongue is uncontrollable by ourselves. We can't control it all by ourselves alone. We need God. And so the only way that we can bring it into subjection is to subject ourselves to the only one who can subject the tongue, and that's our Lord. And we can fill ourselves with Christ. And the more we put Christ in our hearts, the more Christ is going to come out in the words that we say. We're not going to be talking about people. We'll be talking about Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 20, Paul says, Seeing then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil, wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, walk circumspectly. Walk cautiously. Be aware of what's coming into your heart. Be aware of what's coming into your ears because it's going to affect your heart. Be aware of what people are saying. Don't listen to the things you shouldn't listen to. Don't allow those things to get into your heart. But notice what he said there in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's not just an admonition for our weekly worship service. Paul's saying every day we should be filled with the Spirit, and every day we should speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So try that. Find something in the Psalms when somebody wants to start talking about someone. Quote that Psalm to them. Type it out there for them. Say something good. Start the day off as you should as a Psalm, hymn, or a spiritual Psalm. Think about something good. Be dedicate, or dedicate that day to serving God as opposed to, I'm going to listen a little bit. It'll be okay here and there. It's not going to have an effect on me. Our tongue is powerful. And we need to use it to do God's will. So we know that we're not to judge one another. We're not to look at each other and try to figure out what they're doing, what their motive is. We're not to judge that. But ask yourself, what would someone else see in your heart? If they could scroll down your social media page, if they could see all your tweets, if they can see all of your text, if they can see all of your words that you use to communicate with people, would they see Christ in your life? Or would they see that, well, there's a hypocrite. Because the words that we say, whether they're typed or spoken, mean things and reveal things about us. Would they see Christ? Or would they see something else? This morning, if you need to respond to the invitation, you can come and have a seat up here on the front row.
you have that opportunity while we stand and sing.